You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome a very special guest and a very dear friend of mine this week, Dr. Suzanne Hetz. Dr. Hetz has helped thousands of pet parents to improve their pet's behavior and relationships. She's often called out upon to consult with animal professionals, veterinarians, dog trainers, humane societies, and personal injury attorneys to help them understand and work with animal issues. Dr. Hetz and her husband, Dr. Dan Estep, are owners of Animal Behavior Associates, a pet behavior consulting firm in Littleton, Colorado. She's an award-winning international speaker and author of Pet Behavior Protocols, Raising a Behaviorally Healthy Puppy, and other books, CDs, and videos. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Hetz about the sounds of the summer. We will discuss the challenges in working with noise phobias, what's helpful and what's not, myths about rewarding fear, management options, and why winter is a better time to work on these problems. So before we meet Dr. Hetz, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick Dog Boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A B O N E dash to dash p-i-c-k dot com pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick a-b-o-n-e dash t-o dash p-i-c-k dot com get 10% off with coupon code petlife greetings human what planet am i on welcome to pet planet here's a copy of pet planet magazine florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine it features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. 
New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Dr. Suzanne Hetz, who will be talking to us about noise phobias in dogs. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Pia. Thanks for having me. This is a perfect timing for this topic. Summer is a a time when dogs often have problems with noises, isn't it? Yes, and it's such an upsetting problem for people whose pets are terrified when they hear loud noises, more specifically thunder and fireworks and like we call them the sounds of the summer. So how common are noise phobia problems in dogs? Well, that's a good question. The the short answer is we really don't know. Um, We certainly get lots of calls in the summer about um, panicked owners whose pets are panicked in turn, and I'm sure you do as well. But one of the reasons that we don't really know is that, first off, not everybody calls for help, and there's nobody who's really keeping track of all this um, information. And secondly, there can be lots of pets who are afraid but their symptoms of fear aren't really causing a problem for the owner. They may run around the house um, and pace or salivate or shake or drool, but they're not trying to go through doors and windows and being very destructive or barking for extended time periods. So if the pet's manifestation of fear is more passive and isn't really causing a problem for the owner, then I don't think very often those folks call for help. Yeah, that's a great point. Why do some dogs and not others develop these fears and phobias? Well, I wish we had a good answer for that, but we really don't. Um, We know that fearful behavior in general has a strong genetic component from research that's been done by people raising guide dogs, those organizations, as well as independent research. So we know that, for example, fearful puppies tend to grow into fearful adults. And we can selectively breed for and against fearful tendencies um, if we have a good breeding program. Um, Just to give you an example, we have an Irish setter named Coral who comes from field lines. And obviously, it would not be a good idea for a hunting dog to have a noise phobia, to be afraid of guns and similar noises. And this past 4th of July, when we had um, Coral at a relative's cabin where there were lots of fireworks going off, She was just laying on the ground, barely raised her head, didn't face her at all. But we have a Dalmatian who barks incessantly when she hears fireworks, and she goes and hides in the basement. So we know that that there is a genetic component to these problems, and there's probably environmental influences as well. Again, nobody's really studied that, but just from a a practical standpoint, it, it sure probably wouldn't be a good idea to... Um, repeatedly leave a dog outside in the middle of a thunderstorm where he can 
be frightened and not really have a hiding place or a safe place to go, that could certainly contribute to some of these problems. That's that's really interesting, and I think that's important information for people, especially if they're looking for... Uh, say a, a working dog um, who will be outside. Uh, maybe they're looking for a border collie who will be working sheep. It's a good question to ask breeders. Absolutely, um, you know, kind of ask the breeder what what the dog was was bred to do, and and have there been problems in the past in in the working lines with. Um, noise phobias, and you'd want to know that if you really wanted to try to select for a dog that wasn't going to have those problems. Right. Are, are there any breeds that are more prone to these problems than others? We doubt it. Again, there, there's no really comprehensive data out there, but in the 25-some-odd years that we've worked with these kinds of problems, we've seen virtually every breed under the sun. I, I know that um, pet owners have often um, called us up and said, oh, I know that my XYZ breed is more prone to these problems than others, but there's really no data to suggest that. So it's probably not a breed-specific problem. Well, that's good to know. And that, again, once again, that's great information. Um, I know a question that I get a lot is, uh, can a dog that isn't initially afraid learn then to be afraid because he lives with another dog that is afraid? Well, that's a really interesting question that has a little bit of a complex answer because we've certainly talked to pet owners who swear that their one dog learned it from their other dog. But there's there's a couple of things that could be going on there. It's certainly possible that if you have a dog who's very distressed during a storm and is panting, drooling, shaking, very visibly afraid and upset, that a second dog can observe that dog being afraid and then um, mimic that that fearful behavior, more or less, if you want to put it anthropomorphically, thinking that, well, if, if dog A is afraid, then maybe I ought to be afraid too, and then begin to show um, observable manifestations of fear. But that's different from saying that if that first dog isn't there, would the second dog then have learned to independently be afraid of the storm, even if it can't observe the other dog being fearful? And we have no evidence of that. Um, from what we know about social learning and social facilitation in dogs, um, fearful behavior doesn't seem to be one of those behaviors that's terribly susceptible to that. So even though it could be theoretically possible, I guess, um, in certain pairs of dogs, it's not something that we have really good evidence for that it, it commonly occurs. Okay, interest, very interesting. Can these noise phobias be prevented in any way? Well, when we talk about preventing any kind of behavior problem, in order to, to have some sort of prevention problem or pro- program be successful, we really have to know what the causes of the problem are in the first place. And since we talked just a little bit ago that we don't really have a clear understanding of why some dogs develop these noise phobias and others don't, we can't be specific about uh, prevention programs. But just in general, um, we could look at prevention in somewhat the similar way uh, as we look at trying to work with these problems where we want to expose a puppy, let's say, to... Um, variations of noises at a at a volume or in a way that doesn't really provoke any kind of fear and pair those um, noises with something enjoyable for the dog so that from the very beginning, any kind of noise that could potentially be startling and frightening 
gets paired with something fun so that you can um, maybe prevent the dog from developing an unwanted emotional reaction to those noises. Oh, good point, because I know something common that you, you probably hear all the time, too, is the vacuum. So that could be something that could be easy to pair it up with something positive. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, and when people are doing that, what they really want to do is to take baby steps because you don't want that approach to backfire where you actually end up sensitizing a puppy to those noises. In other words, making him more afraid because um, he, he hears them too intensely. So if um, people are wanting to, to implement a prevention program, um, really think about doing it in baby steps where there's just a little teeny tiny exposure to the noise. Maybe you turn the vacuum on and off for like two seconds and then um, give the dog a, a cookie while you're doing that. So any kind of prevention or behavior modification um, program should be done in those teeny tiny steps and not try to do too much um, too quickly. Good, good. Before we go to break, uh, just a quick question on medication. Um, can medication help calm a dog down? Well, yes, that's really a question for a person's veterinarian because obviously only veterinarians can prescribe medications. There are three or four of them out there that most veterinarians will rely on. The only caveat is is that you want to be sure when you talk to your veterinarian that you, um, you, you're talking about using a, a, a truly anti-anxiety drug and not just a tranquilizer that makes it harder for the dog to move around, but something that truly addresses the anxiety. But that's something for the veterinarian to talk to a pet owner about. Wonderful. Well, let's take a short break um, so we can hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Fluff your feathers, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet-tastic fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September 28th, at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to louisvillepetexpo.com. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pet's ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. 
welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvana, your host, and joining us today is Dr. Suzanne Hetz, a certified applied animal behaviorist, talking to us about noise phobia in dogs. And this is the perfect time to do this right in the middle of the summer. Before we left on break, um, Suzanne, you were talking to us about how these phobias develop. What should people do if they witness or they see their dogs panicking or becoming very afraid during a storm, whether it be kids shooting off fireworks, for example, and especially at night? Well, I think one of the first things that they should try to do, and um, we'll talk about how successful this might be, but the first thing that they should try to do is try to engage the dog in another activity. Um, Years ago, I used to have another Irish setter who was afraid of thunderstorms. She was not a field dog. She was a rescue. But Blaze loved to play ball. And especially during the beginning of a storm, I could um, tell Blaze, where's your ball? Go get your ball. Let's play. And we would play fetch. Um, sometimes through the entire storm, if it was a mild one, um, and she would be fine with that. So that would be one thing to try is to engage your dog in something that she likes to do, whether it's playing fetch, whether it's playing tug of war, whether you um, sit in front of the TV and, and practice sit and down commands and return for food treats, anything that can get your dog in a happy frame of mind. Um, at some point, the dog's fear may override its ability to respond to those enjoyable activities. So that may not last for the whole storm, but it's certainly the first kind of approach that people should take. Yeah, that's a great point, too, because I know a lot of people say when their dog is very fearful, they can't eat or they don't want to play. So I guess if the dog is not eating or can't play, then you probably that's sort of a a good measurement for you of how fearful the dog is. Well, exactly. And, And at that point, I would say if they can find some place in the house that Um, they can go that sort of isolates their dog from the noises as best as they can, maybe in a basement where they're not seeing the the flash of the thunder or the flash of the firecrackers, where maybe it's quieter, um, put on some um, soft music that is comforting, that can kind of mask the noises, or even get one of those white noise machines. I think there's one out now called a blue noise machine that's supposed to be more effective at certain frequencies but do something to kind of protect the dog from um, the sound so they're not impinging upon him so um, dramatically. Right, right. Well, I, I know so many of us, too, we, we hate seeing our dogs um, suffering and, and quivering and shaking. And what about trying to comfort the dog and calm them when, when they are afraid? Is that going to have any effect or could it possibly make it worse? Boy, that's, there's a lot of myths out there about that, isn't there? <laughs> yes, there certainly is. That's why I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> well, let's start off by saying, picking up on what you mentioned in that most of us hate seeing our dogs distressed, as you say. And if we um, behave in such a way that adds to their distress, then that's not going to be helpful. For example, if we go, oh, you poor thing, I know you're upset. Oh, this is horrible, isn't it? And, and we ourselves get agitated, then it's certainly possible that we can pass that agitation on to our dogs and in that way um, kind of increase their fear because they're playing off of us. But on the other hand, if we know, for example, um, that a, a dog enjoys a massage, for example, our dogs really love having their ears rubbed. 
So if I sit down on the floor and I go, Coral, come over here. Let Mama rub your ears. And I'm just being very calm. Oh, you're such a good dog. Let's get a massage. Oh, I'm going to rub that ear. And now I'm going to rub your belly. Oh, you're so good. That can actually have a beneficial effect because what you're doing there is changing the dog's emotional reaction from one of agitation and arousal to one of relaxation, just like you would do if you had a child who woke up from a nightmare or who was watching a movie and got frightened. You'd put your arm around the kid and say, hey, honey, it's not going to hurt you. It's just on TV. Let's just kind of sit back here and relax. There's, there's no way that that is making an animal or a child more fearful. And what people need to think about here is to separate the behavior from the emotion. And if you can give a dog a massage, talk quietly to him, sit down on the couch next to him, and change that emotional state, then you're actually making things better, not worse. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, you hear it all the time. And I know with my male Golden that I owned uh, years ago, he he was thunderphobic, and he really he came to us whenever he was starting to become anxious, and we always gave him a really good massage, and he eventually fell asleep. So it was very very helpful for him. Exactly, and I think that the part part of what contributes to the mythology here is that. And people, people can play the victim role, and they can they can pretend to be afraid and very needy, even though they aren't. So you can have the drama queens who go, "Oh, I just can't do this, and this is just a horrible experience," and people think that they do that to get attention. And I think that's true for people. But in animals, we have no evidence that if an animal doesn't feel afraid. He doesn't act afraid. So this myth about rewarding fearful behavior is, is just simply not true. If you can change an animal's emotional state, then you're not going to see the fearful behavior. Animals aren't drama queens like people are. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful point. You never know what pe- people might say. Uh, you haven't met my dog yet, but we'll go. We'll, we'll go with the facts. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a topic for another show, right? That's right. <laughs> Is there anything to manage the the problem? Uh, what about crating the dog to stop him from being destructive if if he is in fact destructive when the noise occurs or um, when he's home alone? Well, I know people can become very frustrated if their dog, if the dog's manifestation of fear is destructiveness. We've seen dogs tear down drapes, um, chew up blinds, destroy front doors, um, all that kind of thing. And I know that people want to prevent their um, homes from suffering that kind of destructiveness, but creating a dog who is panicked is absolutely the wrong thing to do. Because when a dog is that panicked, and many of these dogs will hurt themselves, clawing at the blinds or chewing through molding, and they'll also hurt themselves escaping from a crate. So it seems that the more that you try to restrict a panicked dog's movements, it just adds to their panic, and they can break teeth, um, they can cut up their paws, cut up their mouths, trying to get out of the crate. So we would suggest that people talk to their veterinarians about medication before they think about crating, because crating is, is just, oh, you just feel sorry for these dogs when they're trapped in a crate like that, and they're just terrified. Well, it's sort of like us when, when we're trapped in a plane that's uh, topsy-turvy all over the air and there's heavy turbulence, and you're strapped into your seatbelt really tight, and the one thing you want to do is just get out, get off the plane. 
people who are afraid of elevators or small spaces that way, they can probably identify with that. Sure, sure. Are there any other procedures that can help decrease these fears in dogs? Well, there are some behavior modification procedures called counter-conditioning and desensitization that we alluded to a little bit ago when we were talking about prevention. And these are very powerful behavior modification techniques that are used even quite frequently in human psychology to treat fears. And probably most people are going to need the help of a behavior professional to successfully implement these programs because at worst, if they're implemented incorrectly, they could potentially exacerbate the fear and or at least not help um, the problem very much. But if they're implemented correctly and, and consistently and people are really dedicated to using them, then um, they can really decrease the animal's reaction by changing that emotional arousal from one of distress to one of pleasant anticipation where you're pairing these little teeny um, um, experiences with a recording, let's say, of a noise that doesn't really distress the dog. Maybe he alerts to it, but it doesn't really elicit fear. And you pair that, again, as we talked about, with a toy, with a massage, with a um, tidbit, so that you're changing how the animal feels about that particular um, noise. The problem, of course, with doing it with thunderstorms is that some dogs won't react to the recordings. They won't perceive the recordings as real um, because they're probably responding to other elements of the storm. So it can be a little bit tricky with a thunder phobia, and the better sound system a person has to work with this, the better. Good, good. Yeah. Well, um, I have two more questions uh, briefly uh, because we're, we're getting close to running out of time, but I really sure. want to cover these. Can general obedience training help these problems at all? Not really. I mean, we, we, gener- we always recommend general obedience training because it's just a good thing to do for a dog, but getting him better at sit down, come and stay isn't going to make him less fearful of, of the noises. So that's probably not um, a very helpful tactic for these kinds of problems. Okay. And, and lastly, what about um, alternative therapies? What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, there's a lot of them out there. And what if people are interested in homeopathic remedies, they should probably talk to a homeopathic veterinarian because there are veterinarians who specialize in those sorts of things. Um, and we've had mixed results with them. But, but there are homeopathic vets that people should talk to. Some of the other things like the storm cape, um, again, there's no objective evidence to indicate that though, that, that has um, a beneficial effect. It might work with some dogs. It might also be kind of a placebo effect. I would try some of the more mainstream behavior modification approaches first, I think, if it was my dog. Fabulous. Really, really, really good information at an important time. Obviously, smack in the middle of the summer with the storms going on. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Hetz, for joining us. Uh, Suzanne, do you have any information on your website that can help people who feel their dog might be suffering from these phobias? We do. We have a, a, a audio CD program on using counter-conditioning and desensitization techniques effectively. We also have some of the recordings of the various noises, um, guns, fireworks, cars, um, um, thunder, those kinds of things. And we also have um, some telecourses on the subject of fears and phobias that will be up on the website soon. So if people go to animalbehaviorassociates.com, 
or helpingfido.com. That's helping, not healthy. <laughs> helpingfido.com. They can find the information. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, next week, uh, get ready for training session number two. We will be working on teaching your dog to say, may I? Also, we'll be working on getting your dog to get a reliable sit and sticking with you when you remove the leash and reliability when you say your dog's name, not only inside the house, but outside around distractions. So make sure you come ready with your tug toy, a bag of treats, and of course your dog. A special thanks to our producers for making this show happen. If you'd like a transcript of the show or any other shows on Pet Life Radio, please go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on Teacher's Pet. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas that you'd like us to cover on the show, please feel free to email me at Pia, P-I-A, at PetLifeRadio.com. So, until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you, Suzanne, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.